Everybody needs money. That's why they call it money. The best things in life are free. But you can give them to the birds and bees. I need From Fool Global Headquarters, this is Motley Fool Money. It's the Motley Fool Money Radio Show. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio this week, senior analysts Matt Argusinger and Aaron Bush. Happy New Year, gentlemen. Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year. It is our 2019 preview. We've got stocks to watch. Stocks to avoid, CEOs on the hot seat, and more. And of course, a few reckless predictions, as always. Before we get to the 2019 preview, though, I think we have to talk about Apple. Shares of Apple falling 10% on Thursday after CEO Tim Cook warned investors first quarter revenue is going to be about $5 to $8 billion lower than previously expected. Several reasons for that, Matty the trade war in China, the economic slowdown in China. The battery replacement program that they had last fall. This was still a pretty shocking development. Lots of moving parts, but you're right. I, I think this was pretty bad. I mean, if you look back just to their guidance back in early November, looking for between 89 and 93 billion in revenue to come in then at 84 billion, so five billion below the low end of your guided range. Um, that's that's a problem. And I, you know, I think Tim Cook came out and said, CEO Tim Cook said that. Really, 100% of the miss was due to China and a contraction in the smartphone market there. Um, and I think that's, it's, that's it's a good excuse, because it's probably the right excuse. And I think investors have been questioning whether or not the iPhone, especially the latest versions of the iPhones with the high price tags, could really penetrate the, smart, the highly competitive smartphone market in China. And I think we're starting to see the fact that, no, that's not really the case. Yeah, I don't think it's that surprising actually that Apple has China issues. I was just thinking back um, four years ago when Matt and I were talking about China in the context of our supernova portfolio, um, just talking about opportunities and concerns. China was a big thing we were talking about, and at the time, we realized that China is a big opportunity simply because how many people are in that country. But we didn't necessarily expect it to play out the same way as it did in the U.S. Um, and since then, the stock is about roughly flat with the market, which is interesting. Um, but I think we started to see the cracks in the foundation about two years ago. Um, and about that time is when I started studying Tencent, which owns WeChat. And it made me realize that iOS is far less important in China um, because WeChat really is the in app operating system that people do everything in. And so that the same type of competitive advantage that Apple would have in the US with iMessage notes, just various services that doesn't exist in China. And it showed in the data because at the time, the the retention rates, so people who would have an iPhone that would buy another iPhone, um, outside of China was over 80%, but in China it was 50%, um, which is essentially a coin flip. And I think now, because of the economic turbulence that is starting to happen, trade wars, slowdown, um, we're starting to see that play down play out at an accelerated rate. People who are who would be the Apple buyers either already own them or did own them. The upgrade cycles are longer and retention is still suboptimal and Apple has become to just have mediocre market share. And I think that's not necessarily going to change. Yeah, I agree. And and as long as the iPhone is such a large part of Apple's core business. You know, they talk, they can talk about services all they want, but this is still a, a, a product that's about seventy percent of revenue and the majority of operating profits. Um, now, I will say this because you know we're, we're positive people here at the Fool. I mean, coming into this report, Apple was already down about forty percent from its high, and so 
granted, it had a horrible day you know, this week. It took it down even further. But even at the reduced earnings estimates now, you're looking at a stock that's only trading about 11 or 12 times earnings, in, certainly below the market average market multiple. Now, if earnings come down further, stocks could certainly follow suit, but it, it, it's hard not to call it cheap right now. Well, that's the thing, because Tim Cook talked about how he hadn't seen the December numbers. Therefore, there's no way he's seen the January numbers, because they're not in yet. Their first quarter report comes out in early February. If you're looking at this stock and you're thinking, boy, it looks cheap, do you buy here, or do you want to see what the actual numbers are before you put down a little money to buy some stock? Oh, I don't know. It sounds like another coin flip <laughs> to me. Like we don't really know. Um, I mean, I do think that the valuation is somewhat compelling. You really are just making that iPhone sales stabilize, and you are betting that the services segment can become much more than fifteen percent of revenue, which it is now. Um, I think that most people think that is the case, at least around here. Like that is the bullish stance. I personally, I, I have some more questions when. You have a monopoly taking 30% of every single transaction that goes on your ecosystem. Regulatory issues will one day be a concern. The same thing that we've seen with Google or Alphabet, same thing we've seen with Facebook. One day, the same headlines are going to be going on with Apple, too. And the services narrative will slowly not seem so amazing anymore. All right, let's get to our 2019 preview. Aaron, I'm going to start with you. What is one industry you're going to be watching this year? I'm really interested to be watching the ride-sharing industry um, with Uber and Lyft, and maybe even Didi, which is in China, IPOing um, in 2019. I think, I mean, it's just really exciting that public market investors will finally have access to this new, massive, quickly growing um, uh, industry. And I'm excited to see what the numbers look like. They probably won't be great from a profitability perspective, but just thinking about transportation as a service and what that means beyond just just ride-sharing, um, what it means for logistics with food, and are they going to buy more bikes and scooter companies, that type of thing. I'm really interested to hear more about that longer-term game plan. We'll learn a lot about that in 2019. Maddie, what about you? Well, it's always interesting, but I think especially so this year, I'm, I'm going to be watching the social network, social media space. Um, I, I, you know, We're already seeing, for the first time really ever, a, a real legitimate slowdown, I think, in the user growth and in the usage rates, especially kind of if you look at just the core Facebook platform, um, and so my questions are: you know, how how does Facebook, how does Twitter, how do these companies solve for all the privacy risks that people seem to be somehow aware of these days that they weren't aware of years before? Um, how do they prevent kind of all the vile, the deceptive behavior without damaging free speech and freedom of expression on the platforms? I think these are big challenges, and throwing money and bodies as we've seen Facebook do, I'm not sure that's going to be the, you know going to solve it. I think it's going to take a lot of innovation. And I really don't doubt Facebook and Twitter can do it, but I just think there's a real chance we actually see a tipping point in 2019, where the powerful network effect that has sucked in so many users over the years to these platforms starts to weaken, and you know we start to see meaningful declines in time spent on the platforms, and I think it it'll cause a reset of the businesses. In terms of trends, Aaron, what's got you excited in 2019? Augmented reality, and I think it's been a long time since we've had a big new consumer-facing technology um, to to really invest in. But I have a hunch that AR and probably VR associated with it um, is going to be one of the next big waves. Um, even though some of the hype around it seems to have fizzled out, um, and so I, I think I might be off by one year. But 2019 could be the year in which good AR products are revealed by at least one major tech company, probably Apple. And for Apple. 
it makes sense. Um, they've been acquiring companies with AR tech since 2013. They released their AR kit, their developer toolkit, um, in late 2017, and they have all the pieces in place controlling the hardware and the software, plus that developer community to make it happen. And they probably recognize that winning over the AR market might be as big of a deal one day as winning the smartphone wars was. Um, so I'm a bit iffy on timing, but I'm really excited to see the pieces start to come together. And it, you never know. Apple might have a big AR glasses or something announcement in late 2019. So you're saying Apple has a chance. <laughs> I'm saying that they need to do this because technology is going to shift past smartphones. Services won't be enough. So... Fingers crossed. All right. The, All right. The cash that Apple has on the balance sheet, that probably also helps them yeah, sleep at night. It helps a little bit. Uh, a little in bit. terms of trends, Maddie, what about you? Well, uh, big trend this year, the past year already, but even bigger now this year, sports betting taking off. And, well, I, I've been known to place a better two in my time. <laughs> I think there are actually broader implications for the economy. I think the world is far more efficient, far more innovative when it becomes gamified. Um, and, you know, a competitive marketplace of ideas and dollars that are wagered, I think. And efficiencies tend to get streamlined out. It's it's interesting. Like if you go back to this fall, I mean, you could have placed real money on which party was going to lead the House of Representatives after the November election. You could have placed money on where Amazon was going to open its second headquarters. We kind of talked about that on the show. But imagine betting on things like what the weather's going to be like tomorrow. Uh, who's going to succeed Warren Buffett um, as CEO of Berkshire Hathaway? What's the over and under on the minutes it's going to take for Domino's to deliver my pizza? These might seem like silly things to bet on, but I think when you're wagering real dollars at scale on a lot of these things, they, they tend to be incredibly informative to the marketplace, and they make the economy more efficient. I'm just excited about all the innovations that I think are going to come out of sports betting, especially when it becomes so much more of a mobile application. Well, and one of the ripple effects that we saw in 2018 in terms of sports betting and the legalization played out in media, where you look at in the you know subsequent months... Pretty much every major network, both on the regional level and on the national level, started to roll out programming aimed specifically at betting. Yeah, absolutely. You see it all the time now. Up next, where can investors find upside in 2019? We've got a few thoughts. Stay right here. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome back to Motley Fool Money. Chris Hill here in studio with Aaron Bush and Matt Argusinger. It's our 2019 preview. Aaron Bush... What is a stock or an industry? You can go broad if you want, in terms of upside for investors. Because let's face it, it's been a volatile couple of months here. We're looking for some upside. What do you got? Yep. So I'm going to go big and then narrow down. So software as a service, um, the past two years have been huge for emerging software companies. But I do think this is an instance in which winners will keep on winning. And a lot of these stocks have been beaten down in the recent turmoil, too. And so, unlike the consumer-facing innovation, which is occurring mainly in startups and the, the massive tech companies, there are tons of great options to invest in small and like mid-cap uh, software companies with lots of room to multiply. Some of these will turn into the next Oracle or Salesforce. So, a basket of three stocks that I have super high conviction in, um, that I think will do well in 2019, definitely beyond. Twilio, um, which is a leading communications platform. Alteryx, which is a leading data blending and analytics platform. And MongoDB, um, which is a next-gen database services company. Um, all of these companies are growing super fast, are dominant at what they do, have very little competition. Um, and at scale, they're going to be producing ridiculous amounts of cash flow. So I'm super excited to see what these companies do, even though they've already been hyped in past years. Also a fun basket of names. It is. They're just fun. It's fun to say Twilio. 
<laughs> uh, what about you, Matt? MongoDB. Uh, I'm going to jump way out, and I'm going to actually talk about an entire sector. Real estate uh, has really underperformed recently, uh, and thanks to, as you'd see, expect, with higher interest rates, um, home builders especially have been really hit hard. But I think the sector itself is is what you want to have some exposure to over the next few years, because despite what the conventional thinking might be, real estate actually does quite well in periods of higher interest rates, higher inflation. Uh, I think one safe, cheap way to play it is just to buy the Vanguard Vanguard Real Estate ETF, the ticker is VNQ, pays a nice 4% dividend yield, gives you a broad exposure to a bunch of publicly traded real estate companies and REITs. Um, and I think it has a real chance of outperforming the S&P over the next few years. Uh, it, on the other side of the spectrum, it can be a stock to avoid, or maybe just one to have on a really short leash. But uh, in terms of that category, Aaron, where are you? So I think the marijuana industry is super interesting, um, but it was so hyped in 2018. I think 2019 is going to bring disaster to investors investing, for the most part, in that industry, but especially in the companies that were the most hyped, like Canopy Growth, Tilray, Aurora Cannabis. If you're investing in those, watch out. 2019 is almost definitely going to be very well. It was funny because Aaron and I we talked back in the fall, and I, and we both said, you know, watch out. As soon as cannabis gets legalized in Canada, which which was mid October, mid October, you can yeah. almost draw a straight line from that point on. That was the peak really of a lot of these stocks, and they are down huge since then. Even even more so than the market we've seen. So it's it's it was just funny to kind of. It was one of the easiest calls I think you could have made, and it still has more to go. Well, and it was interesting in part because it wasn't just individual investors who were excited about this. We saw major companies, consumer brands that everybody knows, investing hundreds of millions and in some cases billions of dollars. Coke, Philip Morris, I mean, just amazing. Uh, What do you got on a short leash? Well, I, I you know I started the show and you'd probably guess I, I'm going to say Facebook needs to be kept on a short leash if not avoided at all. Uh, it, all the problems I mentioned regarding the social networking space, I, I just think the stock price looks cheap and you can call it that. And you can and if you assume that they're going to continue to grow their advertising revenue at, at a similar pace or even slightly slower pace, yes, the stock looks very very compelling. Um, I just think there's going to be a big reset in expectations across the space. And I just have big questions about whether Facebook can really effectively monetize Instagram and WhatsApp without really damaging the user experience. And uh, you know, and that's and I'm not even getting into the kind of the leadership questions you have you have to have right now about around Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg. So I just think you can do better elsewhere. Don't try to catch Facebook, even though it, it's a it's a snazzy name with a with now a cheap valuation. So this happens at this time every year. Uh, investors and particularly the business media start to look ahead in terms of private companies going public. Um, and despite the volatility that we've seen recently, uh, you've got executives on Wall Street saying actually that might accelerate. Uh, plans for private companies to go public. So in 2019, I mean, some of the best known names, Aaron, Uber, uh, Slack, Airbnb, Lyft, is there one that you're either really hoping goes public or you're just eager to get your hands on the S1 filing? I hope Stripe goes public sooner or later. It might not IPO this year, but they're a payment platform that makes it super easy for companies to sell things online. Their developer tools are known to be excellent. They continue to roll out new solutions. The the founder and CEO, Patrick Colson, seems to be super thoughtful, and it wouldn't surprise me one day, just because this market is so big, buying things online, that Stripe becomes a larger payments company than PayPal one day. Um, 
And I, I think that's super fascinating. Right now, they have a market cap of about $20 billion, So, I would love for them to go public sooner than later <laughs> <laughs> before they, they start hitting the upper tens of billions in their valuation. Do you think they're at the point now where they're way past uh, the acquisition standpoint? It would be a big acquisition. Um, I doubt it would happen, um, at least from another payments company. Um, so, I bet they'll, they'll go solo public. Uh, Maddie, what are you eager to get your hands for on? For me, you mentioned it, Airbnb. Um, my wife and I have actually been Airbnb hosts for over a decade now. Um, and what you have is essentially the world's largest, most expansive hotel company that really doesn't own any of its rooms. I mean, it's, it's fascinating to me. It has somewhere on the order of 5 million listings, 150 million users, in close to 200 countries, um, it has a profound network effect. Maybe, maybe actually the strongest in the world. I think. I think we're going to realize that. Um, and you know, I don't really know what the market cap is going to be when it becomes public, but just in terms of room count and customer count, it's bigger than all the major publicly traded hotel companies combined. Okay, I really wasn't expecting that at the end. <laughs> uh, I'm assuming the answer is yes, but uh, you, you got a good rating. Like, what kind of rating do we've you get from you guys? We got like almost five star rating across our nice. our listings. So, I'm not know. surprised, but I'm very pleased for you. Uh, <laughs> all right, we got uh, just a couple of minutes left before we wrap up. Uh, we do this every year: reckless predictions. Make them reckless. They don't have to be about business, although they can be about business. You can go off the board to sports, pop culture, whatever. Aaron, what do you got? So, I think that even though the Chinese trade wars and economic slowdowns will continue to generate headlines, I predict that in 2019, we'll see the largest technology acquisition in which a Chinese company buys a U.S. company. So, I don't know if that's Tencent buying one of the big three video game companies. Maybe Alibaba acquires eBay as a way to get into U.S. e-commerce. Maybe Didi, which is larger than Uber, I think in their last valuation, acquires Lyft as a way to get to the U.S. markets and get a partnership with Waymo. I don't know. I think there are interesting possibilities there. That would be fascinating. Maddie, what about you? I think Warren Buffett's going to buy an airline. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> well, look, Berkshire Hathaway already owns, he owns major stakes in all the major U.S. airlines. Um, the, the industry has changed. Consolidation has made this much more a value creator than a value destroyer. Um, I think, you know, you have a strong airline like Delta that's actually been assigned an investment grade credit rating. It's buying back shares and paying a dividend. I, I think there's, and the valuations are very cheap. I just think this is a different industry now, much like how Buffett viewed the railroads. 10 or 15 years ago, I think he views the same with airlines today. That would be maybe the greatest example of someone taking emotion out of investing. When you think back on how much Buffett used to openly oh, hate derived. the airlines yeah, as absolutely. an industry. All right, Matt Argusinger, Aaron Bush. Guys, thanks for being here. Happy Thank you. New Year. Happy New Year. Coming up, our 2019 preview rolls on with Ron Gross and Jason Moser. Stay right here. You're listening to Motley Fool Money. All that plane this morning. Welcome back to Motley Fool Money. Chris Hill here in studio with Jason Moser and Ron Gross. Thanks for being here, gents. Hey, how are you doing, Chris? I'm doing well. The 2019 preview rolls on. Real quick, though, we talked about Apple at the top of the show. Jason, any thoughts in terms of one of the largest companies in America and where it is right now? Yeah, well, I mean, as, as Aaron was saying, man, I'm, I'm really kind of surprised that people are surprised by this. It's not really uh, something that I'm all that taken back by, because in November, we were talking about uh, Apple's chip suppliers ratcheting back their guidance, which was more or less implying that there may be uh, some, some weakness in iPhone performance, like we're seeing. Um, now, granted, they seem to be holding China accountable for most of this, but I mean, it all makes total sense. As iPhones get better, 
They last longer. You don't have to upgrade as much. Uh, they can only raise prices so far until consumers become a little bit more sensitive. And so, I, everybody wants to just get on Apple's case here and predict that maybe this is the beginning of the end. But let's be clear. I mean, it's still Apple. They're still selling millions upon millions of devices. They've lost control of the conversation a little bit because they're not going to be announcing those unit sales anymore. But there are a number of different ways they can win. It's not going to be just services. Okay, Services will have to be a part of it. But when you look at services, other devices, the portfolio of wearables, you can't discount the potential big acquisition at some point or another either with that balance sheet. I'm all for the take a step back approach. I think that makes good sense. I'm going to be really curious to see if Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway are buying stock during um, this period of weakness. Um, I think I would be uh, one of those analysts that would recommend that investors take a position at these levels. 11 or 12 times forward earnings. There's not a lot of growth built into the stock at this price, and they've got a lot of ways they can win. And let's remember, too, we have a whole generation of smartphone users that haven't bought smartphones yet. I mean, there are going to be plenty of opportunities to get new smartphones in new consumers' hands, and there is a brand loyalty there that is quite impressive. All right, Ron, let's get to the preview. When you think about 2019, what's your biggest question as an investor? My biggest question is, will value investing rise from the dead? As most of us, uh, I think, are aware, growth has nicely outperformed value over the last, let's call it, a decade. Uh, Not just a few months here and there, but quite a few years. Uh, Fang stocks are, are perhaps the most obvious examples of growth stocks that have really led the way. Um, obviously, we've had an extended bull market that tends to favor growth stocks. So, uh, my big question is: Do we see a resurgence of interest in stocks that are considered value? Growth often does underperform in bear markets. If perhaps we are entering a bear market or going to see a sustained bear market, then one would expect value to come back into vogue. But you know what? We haven't seen it any time in recent past. What about you, Jason? Yeah, you know, I to me that we've talked a lot about Disney and their move to over the top distribution. Um, they obviously own part of Hulu, which I think they've done a good job building out, especially with that live Hulu offering. Uh, ESPN Plus seems like it's gaining some traction, and now Disney Plus is going to be uh, their service that launches sometime in 2019. And we talked before on the shows they really need to make sure they execute there, because I do think that is a compelling product. It's going to take a lot of content away from other streaming partners, namely Netflix. I find it interesting to see that really the shows on Netflix that garner the most views as a percentage are all shows that are they're not Netflix shows, which which I think is telling. I mean, Netflix is still having to put up a lot of money uh, to get content that people want to see, and Netflix is not the one producing that content. So, they still, I think, have a little ways to go in really succeeding on that original content front to justify all of that money that they're spending. And I think that Disney Plus is going to it's going to reemphasize, I think, the asset, the competitive advantage that they have there in that intellectual property. So, I'm excited to see how that product uh, arrives. I'm certain that we will at least be testing it in our house, if not becoming full-fledged subscribers, unless they just really drop the ball. Well, and wasn't there sort of a minor freakout in the Netflix universe when they said they weren't going to renew the show Friends? Yeah, yeah. Sure. I mean, it, but, you in know, my I mean, household for sure. And I mean that that is something that they at least need to pay attention to because as a percentage of views, Friends is number two on the list, just behind The Office. Uh, but when you look at that list of the shows that are garnering the most views on Netflix, it really kind of takes you back. It's it's not a lot of their original content is on that list. It just tells you they still have a little ways to go. 
What's a trend you're excited about this year, Ron? It kind of piggybacks off of what Jason was just discussing. Um, 5G technology, fifth-generation wireless cellular technology is coming, and it's coming pretty quickly. It's going to be pretty exciting. It's going to make a devices more capable of of accessing the internet. It's going to deliver much faster speed than 4G. Some say 20 to 100 times faster than 4Gs. Lots of companies are going to benefit here. The the most common names would be the AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobiles of the world. But I think Nokia, even Apple will benefit as people upgrade to 5G-enabled phones. Um, It's going to be a really exciting trend to watch from an investing perspective, but also from a consumer perspective, because I think we'll all benefit. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Apple there, because that is another point with the 5G. It's they're going to be a little bit behind, I think, others in getting their devices up to speed there. But once that does happen, that's going to be uh, another sort of catalyst there uh, in, in the upgrading. For me, hey, I'm excited about podcasts and where podcasts are heading, Chris. I mean, I'm not going to not going to just pat ourselves <laughs> on the back here too plug. much. But I mean, it's worth noting that that you and Mac uh, and and our partners here, you had you had the the senses to make some early bets in this uh, market back in 2010 and 2011. And lo and behold, now in 2019, we've got a full-fledged family of podcasts. They're doing very well. We've seen SiriusXM acquire Pandora, noting in their call that, you know, to their to their uh, dismay, they kind of passed on podcasts for a while. They admitted that mistake, and they're gonna they're gonna start putting some resources into podcasts and building out that environment. So I just think that we're in a, in a day and age now where Netflix really changed the game for content for people being able to watch what they want, when they want, and where they want. I think now we're seeing the same thing play out on the audio side. We're able to give people what they want, where they want it, when they want it, and, and it's nice to be a part of it. Let's talk stocks, uh, Ron, whether it's a, an industry or a specific stock. Uh, what do you think is poised for upside this year? So, uh, industry I'm looking at, it's kind of a sector slash industry, and I'm not ready to call the big R word yet, the recession. I'm not, I'm not freaking people out yet. But I think it's important you to You are have, a little bit, just by saying that. <laughs> yes, I think it's important to have some allocation to some defensive stocks in uh, in the environment that we may be approaching. And so, when I think of, of companies in those sectors, I would say some utilities um, might be a good bet right here. Um, some of the discounters, in fact, discount retailers, Costco, Dollar Tree, Walmart, um, would be some nice stocks, defensive stocks to have as we enter an economy that might not be as robust as it has been. What about you, Jason? You know, I don't want to time when a, re- a recession might hit because really that's just bad for everybody. But I do think we are entering a period where banks are going to have some opportunities to boost their earnings a little bit as interest rates continue to nudge upward. And in particular, I- I'm looking more at small banks and one we've talked about before, Ameris Bank. Or uh, they, I-, I think this stock has a tremendous risk. Reward uh, scenario playing out here that the stock is now trading around 15 times earnings. They recently announced this uh, merger with Fidelity Bank in Georgia. It's about a $750 million deal. And given that Ameris is about a $1.5 billion company, you can see it, it means a lot. The market rightly sold the stock off because I think there's some skepticism there. That's rolling in a big acquisition, but they are two very similar cultures. It gives Ameris uh, tremendous exposure to the the valuable Atlanta market, and it also is going to help grow that asset and deposit base, uh, particularly in a, in a period where, where a lot of these banks are really competing now for, for getting those deposit bases. So, uh, to me, this could play out kind of like the McCormick thing, right? Remember when McCormick acquired RB Foods and the market thought, whoa, this is a big one to digest here, and they kind of held off for a couple of quarters to see how things worked out. 
lo and behold, it worked out pretty well, and the stock recovered nicely. I think we could be looking at the same thing uh, here with Ameris if they if they execute this acquisition well. So, Ron, if defensive stocks have you interested, what's at the other end of the spectrum? What are you avoiding this year? Specifically, I have one stock in mind, and I come back to it often, and it's Fitbit. And I really have never been excited and probably will never be excited about this one. Now, they entered the smartwatch market in 2018, and I give it to them. They've done pretty well, but this is a formidably competitive market with the likes of Apple, for one, right there behind them. And you even have some Chinese upstarts that really could be a problem as well. I don't think I don't see Fitbit being the company that is constantly able to innovate, either take market share or defend market share, and I'd be real careful about this one. What about you, Jason? Uh, yeah, I think uh, Zillow to me is one that I, I just I've changed my tone on this company a bit over the past year, and I used to be excited about the potential there, and I feel like they have just failed to convince me of the sustainability here. Um, they, they're they yet to, to really become meaningfully profitable at all. And now, in this most recent quarter, they uh, put in their shareholder letter that Zillow Group has entered a period of transformational innovation. <laughs> and to me, that is code for, we're not going to be profitable anytime soon. And for a company like this, who has that company's been around for a while, and such a big market opportunity is our housing market, they should not be entering this period. They should be coming out of this period because I, th- I think that's what they were trying to do over these past few years. Um, I, I just this instant offers business. It's not it's not up their alley. I mean that's that's buying homes and renovating them and selling them. It's not scalable. There are a lot of people out there doing it. I don't know that they have any real advantage there. Goodwill now represents essentially half of the total assets on the balance sheets. It's not a bad company. I just I'm disappointed in the way they've executed, and I think they've still got a ways to go before they get to get to meaningful profitability. Well, I think one of the things that ties these two businesses together, Fitbit and Zillow, is the word optionality has been used in connection to both of these businesses. They were seen as well. They have options in terms of where they can go, and optionality is something we like to see as investors. But Ron, it almost seems like optionality only works if you've got, or it certainly works better if you've got one dependable cash cow in your portfolio. You nailed it, right? <laughs> optionality is great for additional upside, and maybe you can't even see the different options that a company might have three to five years down the road. But if they don't have that that profitable company, that cash flow division, that cash flow producing segment of the company, then optionality, you're relying on all of the value of that company being in the optionality category, and that's just too much risk for me. Up next, which CEOs are on the hot seat? We've got that along with a few reckless predictions. Stay right here. You're listening to Motley Fool Money. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Welcome back to Motley Fool Money. Chris Hill here in studio once again with Ron Gross and Jason Moser. Guys, 2019 has just begun, but The Motley Fool is already looking for summer interns Wow! in investing, editorial, software development, and much more. Come! Spend the summer at join Fool. us. Join us here at Fool Global headquarters this summer. Go to careers.fool.com for all the information and to apply to be a summer intern here. That's careers.fool.com. Happens every year, Jason. There are a few CEOs who are on the hot seat, and we're long-term investors. But let's face it, 
Over the long term, if you're not delivering, that means in the short term, you're on the hot seat. Who do you got? <laughs> well, I think in 2018, I, I certainly had Kevin Plank of Under Armour on the hot seat, and he's not off yet. So that's I'm calling him out again. I mean, I think that uh, while we are seeing signs that he is embracing. Um, relying more on his team, in particular the CFO and COO of the company, um, Frisk and Bergman. I, I think that when you look at the expectations we've had for this business over the course of the last several years, as it's been a recommendation in a number of our services, this has been a phenomenal disappointment. And the real, the real disappointing part there is that they were essentially self-inflicted. I mean, they just made some dumb investments for the sake of growing, as opposed to just making good strategic decisions and letting the growth come from, from making good decisions. And so, I think he's on the right track. We need to make sure that team stays intact here. If we see that CFO or COO leave, then we've got a real big problem. But at this point, with the market seeming like it wants to recover, if we don't have any kind of a re- uh, recession you know, in sight anytime soon, I mean, this is a company that should be uh, performing a lot better than it is today. What about you, Ron? I, I think Wells Fargo CEO Timothy Sloan probably should go. Um, he was probably the wrong choice from the get um, from the get go as he was really has been at the company f- during all of the controversies and uh, having t- taken over the CEO role in 2016 has really not done anything to, to turn the tide both from an operations perspective the company's not really doing very well and as from a, a controversially uh, perspective as well things don't seem to be getting better I think it's time for some outside blood to come in and kind of right the ship. You know, I think back to last year's show, and I mentioned that uh, John Flannery, who was CEO of General Electric at the time, uh, I mentioned he was certainly a CEO to watch because I thought he was laying all his cards on the table, uh, and I thought, boy, this is going to be a really interesting company to watch. And in hindsight, I, I probably should have said he was on the hot seat. I didn't think he was on the no, hot seat. Yeah, that's uh, how it he goes. Did, he didn't make it to the end of the year. Um, as I talked about with with Matt Argusinger and Aaron Bush. Uh, it's interesting to see not only the companies being named in the private market as potential IPOs this year, but the possibility that the recent volatility we've seen might accelerate those IPOs in the first six months of 2019, whether it's the S1 that you're eager to look at or a company where you just think, no, I, I want this thing to go public now so I can get a few shares. What's on your radar, Jason? Yeah, one that probably a lot of people are thinking won't end up IPOing, but I hope it does, is SpaceX, um, Elon Musk's uh, rocket company. And they are set to raise $500 million at a $30.5 billion valuation here uh, shortly. And, and to me, space is is one of these markets, it's one of these trends, I think, that's going to open up a lot of fascinating uh, investment opportunities over the course of the next decade and beyond. And I think SpaceX is going to be a part of that. And, uh, you know, one thing that SpaceX is doing today is uh, this, this project called Starlink. Essentially, the idea is looking to build out a constellation of satellites all over the globe in low orbit that will basically be able to beam high-speed internet connection to every corner of the globe. And it seems like he's getting buy-in from all the regulators, too. And we've seen what he's been able to do here in the rocket launches that have taken place thus far. I just think this is a fascinating company. I think it's going to offer a lot of opportunities if we do get a chance to see it go public. I more than likely would want to own a few shares just to be a part of it. But yeah, I'd really want to read that S1. Do you think Tesla shareholders are eager for the prospect of Elon <laughs> Musk at the helm of yet another public company? Well, maybe we save that for another show, Chris. <laughs> Ron, what about you? 
A favorite company in my household is fast casual Mediterranean restaurant Cava, and they have recently acquired publicly traded Zoe's Kitchen. So I'll give them a little time to digest that acquisition, decide what they want to do with all the Zoe's locations, but then let's take the whole darn thing public. Um, some great capital that they can use for growth to kind of take the world by storm and expand the concept. Have they given any more color on what they plan to do with those locations? Because I remember we talked about that acquisition on this show. And the only thing that surprised me was uh, the fact that they they really seemed like, no, we're not necessarily going to turn these all into Kavas. And I think our general reaction was, why not? Yeah, I, I've seen more uh, along the lines of making some menu changes, um, uh, changes to the way uh, the kitchen operates um, to be more efficient uh, and have offerings that are, are more appealing to the consumer. All right, just a couple of minutes left. Reckless predictions for 2019. What do you got, Jason? Yeah, so I was thinking about going with the Red Sox repeating as World Series champions. Then I thought about it. That's not that far fetched, really, Chris. I'm calling it. They're going to repeat, and that's not my reckless prediction. Uh, so I will go with a more business related story here today. And I was talking earlier about the potential acquisitions that, that Apple could uh, yeah. be looking at here. And hey, what would stop them from wanting to acquire Square? Ooh. I mean, you want to look at expanding your business and becoming a little bit more uh, integral part of the commerce uh, scene here, not only domestically, but globally, really. I think Square and Apple have a lot in common. Companies that have, uh, they're in the business of developing sleek hardware that people like to use, uh, generating some pretty strong brand loyalty there. And then uh, we know, of course, the payment space is is uh, one that's growing very quickly. So, I'm not saying it'll happen, but it's certainly an acquisition that Apple would be capable of executing. So, hey, maybe, maybe, it, maybe it will happen. Ron? I went a little off the rails here, Chris. Uh, there's going to be more definitive signs of previous life discovered on Mars in 2019. And that's going to build uh, off of the work done by the Mars Curiosity rover that earlier in 2018 found some organic um, uh, molecules. Um, and we'll figure out where those actually came from and build on that. Uh, there are not going to be any signs of actual Martians running around, but I think we're going to see signs. Or of, will there be? We're going to see signs of some, some previous life. All right, reckless prediction number two. Ron Gross and Jason Moser will be heading up the new Motley Fool Space Investing Service <laughs> yeah. to launch either late 2019 or 2020. Sell that short. <laughs> I'm just going to say that regardless of where free agent Bryce Harper ends up, yeah. the Washington Nationals are going to the World Series. Ooh, wow. wow. That is reckless. I'll take that bet. Ron Gross, Jason Moser. Guys, thanks for being here. Thanks, Thank That's going to do it for this week's edition of Motley Fool Money. Our engineer is Dan Boyd, producer Matt Greer on a well-deserved vacation this week. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.